I'm Gab. He's Jules. Gray skies over West London. Definitely no gray skies over Real Madrid. As no. They've won their 14th Champions League title, Jules. Incredible. We'll be getting into that. Don't worry. We'll be getting into the, the championship final. We'll be getting into some of the troubles that, that mark the experience. Uh, we'll talking about the mighty Monza in City. Ah, incredible. Perisic incoming at White Hart Lane. But obviously we're going to start. With the City of Light, the final, you're wearing... Yeah, for uh, the champions, you know. Seems appropriate. Appropriate, seems indeed. very appropriate, especially with a dragon and the other weird animal. It's what, 2011, what? Um, third kit. Uh, yeah. All right, that's one for the enthusiasts out there. Let's get to the game, the narrative. We were, we were both there. The, the narrative, the flow of the game, very simple. Liverpool had a lot of chances. Mm-hmm. Um, Real Madrid tried to play on the break. Kind of, I thought, grew into the game. Yeah. Got their goal uh, with Vinicius in the second half. Thibaut Courtois was man of the match. Personally, I think it's wrong because it was all about Courtois. He was part of it. Yeah. Um, but how do you see it? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, Klopp said it. If the man of the match is the opposition's goalkeeper, there's maybe, you know, something going on there. I think Liverpool were a better team, but... Or certainly the strongest team in the in the sense of the chances that they had, the way they played that game, the way they kind of controlled it. But you're right, Real Madrid grew into it. The goal is is a bit lucky in the sense that Valverde has a shot that becomes a cross, and then that Vinicius is completely forgotten by Trent Alexander-Arnold. I'm not you're sure. You're 100 sure that was a shot. From 100 sure that was a shot, and the way his body is positioned, I'm not sure what Virgil Van Dijk is, what he's doing, and why he's showing his bum to Valverde instead of trying to, at some point, come across and prevent the shot or the cross. Uh, but those mistakes happen. And on Actually, the other, it's interesting you pick on Van Dijk because a lot of people would pick on Trent. So Trent certainly is ball watching, and and he looks first where's Vini on, let's say, the 30-yard line, more or less, and then completely forgot, never never looks again, never looks again where Vinicius is. For Van Dijk, this is not good enough. I'm sorry. You can't let Valverde run towards you, run, run, and then you turn your back. And literally, there's that photo where you see Van Dijk's bum in the air when Valverde is hitting the ball. I mean, like, you don't defend like this. So, But Ramadou didn't make any mistakes. And, and again, it's thin margin. A final like this, you lose it on mistakes, and... Liverpool made one. Real Madrid didn't make any. I, so we're not going to give Alvedo the benefit of the doubt that he... Because it's obvious that he's squaring up to shoot. Yeah. And because I, I feel charitable, because I'm in a good mood, because the club season is over, I'm going to go out. I'm going to choose to believe that Valverde wanted to square up as if to shoot, but then knew very well that if he whipped it really hard across the face of the goal to the far post, there was a good chance Vinicius was going to get there. Because but he was he squaring his up. Laces. Sorry? No, no one crosses the ball with his laces. N- no one. You don't cross the ball with your laces. No, you don't. You don't. You may choose you don't. to do that if you're. No, if you're, you don't. You don't. If you just if you just want to get it into if you just want to get into the middle hard. No, you don't. Do, God, with with your laces. He's Valverde. He's from Uruguay. I know, yeah. but. Why? Why you do? No, no okay, but I'm, if I'm you, happy to. I'm sorry to. If you believe so. that though, that he's squaring up to shoot. Well, regardless, I think the effect. I know we've all. We had to go. Obviously, I. Alexander Arnold, I suspect the reason he got sucked in was obviously Benzema makes a run to the yeah. to, to near post. Konate goes with him, uh, rightly so. Mm. He felt right. He's shooting. If Allison parries it back out, I need to be there to clear it away. And perhaps that's more important than Vinicius, who's miles away. But of course, Vinicius yeah. is quick. I don't know. I I like Trent. I'm getting the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Carlo Ancelotti, mm. 14 wins. He said something that I've never seen anybody win without also being lucky. Yeah. It's kind of a life lesson here. All you can do is give yeah. yourself... And for me, this is a transition to Klopp as well. Yeah. Because you can say... You know, you, you can turn this... They got to the finish line in four different competitions, right? And you can turn it around many different ways. You can say, oh, but look, they didn't score a goal in 500 and whatever odd minutes yeah. in, in the finals and finals, stuff. Yeah. And look, they lost... Here, Courtois was out of the match here. It was just one point against City. Okay, fine. You can also turn around the other way and say they they won on penalties in the other two domestic cups that they won. So, to me, all you can do is get there, and yeah. then at some point you need a good a bit of good fortune, true, or at least not be unlucky, right? And in the end, two out of four maybe doesn't it feels about right, no? 
Yeah, I think it's a bit it's a bit cruel in a way because it's maybe so, because it's the two big ones you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and it's such an amazing team. It is, it is. Yeah. If you look closely, though, they've never beaten a team in the top four in England, so they've had an incredible season in in the league, and finished super close to live up to Manchester City without beating any of the top four teams through the season. So, which is you know six games is is a lot not to win any. They didn't score. They lost four games out of the 63 that they played which is not at all, not many at all, and yet you still come short into the two biggest competitions where you're there until the end. I think they didn't score in only five out of the 63 games. At Leicester after Christmas, when Salah missed the penalty against Inter on the second leg, when, when they struggled, to be fair, and Inter played really well, but they had that two-goal cushion from the first leg, and then obviously the three finals. So... It's, it's really hard to... You look at it and say, this almost was the perfect season. And I think even with... Had they added the Champions League, it would have been the best season in club's history to do that treble. But in the end, they came short. And there are some disappointing results. You know, not beating any of the top four teams. Not scoring in any of the three finals. It's also a way of seeing it, maybe. I don't know. I... I think it's an incredible team that deserves maybe more than just the two domestic cups. Um, let's go back to Courtois. Mm. Uh, because I spoke afterwards to, uh, to, to a colleague of ours who, who's based in London, who's Belgian, who knows Couture really well from back in the day. And he said, and I, you see this with some athletes, about how they, so we used to call like, you know, kind of like bulletin board material, right? They feel the need to psych themselves up. It's like the prize fighter who yeah. puts the picture of his opponent up. And he actually came out and he mentioned that somebody in England had made a list of yeah, four, top four, 10 two. goalkeepers. 442 magazine. What, the Muppet version, I don't know, but whatever. It didn't include Courtois in the top 10. He right. used it as motivation. Yeah. And obviously Chelsea fans call him a snake for the way he left and blah, blah, blah. And If Kepa had worked out, <laughs> I might not hate exactly. Courtois so much. Yeah, but I met him. I think he's an incredibly nice guy. Really, really lovely young mm -hmm. man. But whatever. Um, is it a bit cheesy that people feel the need to psych themselves up this way or do we actually like the honesty that says like I use this as extra motivation and they get annoyed by it yeah I like the fact that he's saying it does he does he does he mean that he's got a big ego or not I'm not really sure I don't know him that well to say but I don't think it's about ego I think it's about whatever some who don't care some said oh, I don't care what that magazine say I mean you know? this takes us back to the age-old question of the Ballon d'Or and Cristiano Ronaldo if he doesn't win it he gets upset doesn't he feels he deserves it. Yeah. He uses his motivation. Yeah. Others, Which is fine. It depends on the character. I don't have any... Yeah, I think, you know, maybe he, he wanted to prove a point and he said, you know what, not, not just for that magazine, but in general. So, like, I'm not in the conversation about the best goalkeeper in the world. It's Neuer or Alisson or Edison or Oblak. Why not me? You know, and I want to show... Maybe. Well, I don't know, but... What, what, what gets me about this is, you know... You're entitled to your own opinions. You're not entitled to your own facts. And mm. if you don't put Courtois in the conversation, I'm entitled to then question everything about yeah, you completely. and your knowledge and whether you know you should be watching a different sport. Because <laughs> I, if you want to put Neuer ahead or Allison's better with his feet or whatever, that's fine. I don't, I don't know. I you know, look, these are slim margins. Or like, but. What bugs me about this, and we get this all the time with lists, including the ones that we make, is people getting, not you and I, but we as an organization, because yeah. nobody can watch everything, right? You come very close, but it's so difficult. Um, so All Black had a terrible season. Yeah. Does it mean All Black is bad now? Does it mean he had a bad season? Yeah, you're right. Like, you're uh, right. Does it, but then people automatically put All Black because, you know, because of where he was two years ago. So I, these things are silly. I just thought it was interesting on his part. Certainly on the night, I don't think there was an ar any argument about him being man of the match. Crazy. For Nine me, the saves. best save was the one off Salah in the second half. 100%. Um, what struck me about that is, and you can look at this and say, well, he didn't know about it. But there's still, and in some ways, yes, because he goes, he's got those incredibly long limbs. He makes his body really big. Um, I, I, I thought I got quite poetic there in my matchup where I said it was like a paintball exploding. <laughs> he makes yeah, it, yeah. And the ball hits his bicep. Now, if a ball hits your upper arm, it's not like it hits your hand, right? It's supposed to bounce off it and go in. But then... His upper arm, he must have been flexing at the time. Yeah, it's, it's like a volleyball, you know, almost like, like a kind of reaction on a, on a smash from the other team or something. I think, it, I think it's a close call between that one and the Mane one in the first half that he 
push pushes on the post. Right. Well, pushes. I don't know if pushes the right word because with Salah, Salah being left-footed, when he comes like that on his right foot, there's a lot. It's a big chance that he's gonna like square the ball across the goal. Right. So I think he knows he's not gonna go near post, so he's gonna go the other side. So I think he's almost ready for that. With Mane, he can easily curl it the other side or hit it near post like he did, like he does. And I think that he's so stretching. It's an incredible save. I love what uh, Ancelotti said after the game, and I don't know if it's true. Karim, Karim has never mentioned it from training, but it might be true. But he's, Carlos said after the game that there's times at training that he tells Courtois, let the striker, let the forward score a bit. Because he's, he, <laughs> Carlos says he's that good that at training, nothing goes in. And you know when we're kids and, and you're not a goalkeeper, but you go in goal at the end of the training session and you say, like, okay, no one is going to score against me today. Well, you know it's not true because you're not a goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I can picture Courtois in my head morning of the training and you know what, no one is going to score this morning at training. And actually no one does. For Carlo to say to him, listen, just for the confidence, let, let a few go in. <laughs> it's mental. Whether it's true or not, I don't care. I love the story. It, it sounds like something Carlo would yeah. say. In terms of some of the other big saves and the other what will go down as big, uh, big chances for Liverpool, and I struggle with this a little bit because the, there's a guy, uh, John Muller, the Athletic, who wrote a piece, and I where he said like you know kind of like an alternate Champions League final where Liverpool win four one or, mm. or five one based on the XG and the chances created. So XG is what two point two or two point four something like that. It's it's something like that, but basically, I mean. You know, very back of the envelope. Whatever the chances they had, where the XG was more than fifty percent, he kind of counted yeah. his goals and whatever. Right? And like you couldn't, I've played this game so many times. <laughs> I've done alternate histories of, of World Cups where where different teams win. Right? Yeah. Like, if you if you count it up that way, my Argentine friends and I, like, you know, Argentina's won six World Cups. That and you're on right? as well, yeah. Um, well, Johan Cruyff, not so much, because obviously he didn't have that many. But, like, you know, like the, oh, look, Higuain scores yeah, in 2014. Yeah, yeah, and, and, look, Maradona doesn't get thrown out of the World Cup in 94. He definitely wins that one. And, you know, whatever. You can, you can do all yeah. these things, right? What gets me about those other chances, though, is that they were poor finishes, too. Some of the other ones. Yeah. I'm thinking of the, the Salah header, mm-hmm. which obviously was a big XG chance. Yeah. He completely misconnects with it. Yeah. There was another one. There was another chance also in the first half, and I'm blanking on who it was. I'm sure you'll remember where the cross comes in, and it looks like it's not even a shot. It looks like it was like almost like a miscontrol. Yeah, like yeah, somebody Salah, wanted to yeah. take. Well, that yeah. was Salah as yeah, well, yeah, right? And he's right for. But then Courtois saves it, so yeah. that counts as a chance, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was a good position. So you put these things together, and you can say Courtois man of the match because he made two out of this world saves, mm. and you can kind of add up the XG, but. I'm going to ask an, unco- an uncomfortable question here. Did Liverpool's finishing kind of let them down a little bit? Because, yeah, I think so. You know, just because you create the chance, then you can praise them for creating the chance, but then you need that too, right? Yeah, I think you're right. And there's a couple of times where it didn't result into a shot or a chance, but it was a, a 3v2, or there, there was clearly a better option from the guy on the ball than the one that he picked that could have ended up as a, as a big chance or as a goal. So I think there's a few times... In the in the in the in the composure, they liked a bit of composure, and the end product, whether it's the straight finish right. and the shot, or just the pass before, where they could have gone far, more, been far more precise. But I, I I would put down tiredness, really, maybe a little bit of well, the two solid chances were in the first half. Salah. Oh, oh, from yeah, yeah, yeah. But for example, the second one, the the big one on his right foot, you know. At the end, but, yeah. but in terms of tiredness, where maybe at times you know you don't have the the thought process of this is the right choice, I should do that pass here, and instead you put it on the left-hand side and it's the wrong one or whatever. I, I, I don't know. They've, they've scored so many goals this season. And again, we said five games out of 63 where they don't score. This is crazy. You know, five games out of 63 is crazy not to score, but it's the biggest one that they didn't score. On the other end, again, if we're going to take these alternate reality readings, um, you could argue that Real Madrid had... Three big chances, though. Obviously, the the, the Benzema one, the, the Benzema goal, mm-hmm. which we'll get to in a second. Um, the one they scored, but and also uh, was, was at, at the end with the, 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 the counter attack yeah, where he miscontrols it and Allison comes out. Mm-hmm. Right, that doesn't even count as an XG chance. No, it's not a shot. That was a three on two counter. Now it's against the run of play at the end and whatever. And then that's yeah. 
So this is one of the weird things. This is why I always tell people, look at the performance. Don't just look at the result. This could have, yeah, it could have been 5-1 Liverpool. It could have been 3-0 Real Madrid. Completely. Easily. Yeah, right? and maybe that goal that Benzema goal is allowed comes earlier. Maybe and that changes even, the game. But maybe that's even better for Liverpool. In maybe the sense is, yeah. that, you know, Firmino and Jota come on earlier instead of coming on in the 72nd or whatever, late because Vinny's goal is quite late in the game itself. And then you don't really have that kind of time to, to react too much to it, although I thought they, they reacted well to the goal. But yeah, you're right. Maybe, may, yeah, it's a different game. I, we expected the pressure from Liverpool and we got that pressure in the first half. All the Real Madrid could do really was playing long, which, which by the way, brought the Benzema. The Benzema goal is, is a, a mm. long ball from Alaba behind. But they didn't have much control. Then Cruz and Modric, I thought, who, by the way, got ratings of... Cruz got 3 out of 10 in Lequipe. Oh, that's enough with the Lequipe. I was ratings. like, what? Please, can we just not, anyway, not go there, right? The but goal is a great build-up where they beat the pressure. The Liverpool pressure, by the way, decreased in terms of intensity through the game. We, again, we go back to tiredness. And, and I think that through the season they have been unable to keep that intensity for as long as they used to earlier in the season, which, is, which I guess is normal. Um, but yeah, they, they could have... If Benzema, if that Benzema goes, goes in and is allowed right. by let's, the French referee... Let's break that down and understand why it wasn't given. Um, so we'll take a step back before that, because I thought Benzema does really well. We disagree a little bit. On how good a chance it was, because you think Robertson was there and Benzema couldn't have shot or or it wasn't as easy a situation. Not with his right foot after first touch. That's why he comes inside and then that opens him the goal. But Alisson is coming out so quickly that he can shoot, but I think he knows he's blocked. For me, I still expect him to score from there. Alisson coming out. For me, I expect the presumptive Ballon d'Or... To make a different decision there to shoot, and I expect him yeah, to score. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong, and maybe it's no, a, no, no, no. I see, and if he'd done that, we would remember that as a huge chance and an Allison save, yeah, by yeah. the way, as a tremendous Allison save, right? Yeah. Um, which again goes speaks the narrative and says, and this stands out, and doesn't that doesn't stand out? But the reason it didn't, um, instead he squares it. Konate perhaps unexpectedly mm. miscontrols it, doesn't clear the ball, and then you have I think it's Valverde, yeah. uh, Fabinho, and there's somebody else who's also coming in. All three of them come in. Fabinho. In the tackle, hits the ball. It goes back to Benzema, mm. who, you know, who turns and scores. Right, and Benzema's yeah. obviously offside. Now, we all know that you can't be offside if the pass comes from an opposing player. So then, what they have to decide is is obviously accidental from uh, Fabinho. Does yeah, it mean he's right? yeah. yeah. But the question is, what you have to decide is: was he playing the ball and trying to hit a pass to somebody, or? Was it entirely accidental? I've spoken to several referees, and there's a textbook reading of it, and there's like a real-world reading of it. Mm. The textbook reading of it, by the letter of the law, is that it's entirely fine for the referee to rule that that was accidental yeah. and the goal should have been ruled out. Yeah. In the real world, one senior international referee, now retired, who very recently retired, who... I spoke to said, I would have expected the referee to give it because it's a Champions League final, because it's that situation, because nobody can tell him if you give it, you're wrong, mm-hmm. and then it opens up the game. But Turpin didn't, uh, didn't do that. Turpin stuck with the laws of the game. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. I, yeah. I, for me, from the moment you go and play the ball, like Fabinho, so that, that tackle from Fabinho is not just because the pitch is nice and you just want to slide on it. Right, he, he slides tackle towards the ball because he wants to get the ball. He wants to get the ball out. He wants to get Other, the ball away. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, he doesn't tackle there. Right. So for me, he's playing the ball. If the ball bounces off his knee, which is not what he wanted to do, it doesn't matter. The ball then ends up on Benzema. If Fabinho had been standing up there and the ball sort of ping pongs off him, or you know, bounces off him, with him not making any movement, then okay, you say that's not intentional. But he goes for the ball gap. He goes and plays the ball, and the ball ends up on Benzema's feet, and then Benzema scores. So I know it doesn't look like he means it, because it's not a pass from the inside of his foot. Hey, Karim, here you go. But but he still goes to play play the ball, so... All right. It is just one of those situations where 
it's one of those rare. I think the referee has ultimate discretion because he has to go and he's got elements to judge, but ultimately it's his discretion. Yeah. And I think if, that's fine. if it's ruled off on the field, I, I, I can deal with it. I can, yeah, I can yeah, deal yeah, with this one too. either way. Um, I want to get back to Carlo for a second because he had a lot of praise for his defenders. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really struck by this as well. In the period when, when Liverpool were dominating them, I mean, I think, you know, you mentioned Real Madrid couldn't play out from the back. I think in my notes, I had 25 minutes in. It was the yeah. first time Real Madrid had the ball in the, yeah. uh, in, the, in, the, in the Liverpool half. Now, again, if you want to go and tell me that it was earlier, fine, it was earlier. That's what I had in my notes. Yeah, but, That's no, what it but felt you see like, what right? I mean? They had zero shot on target. 35 minutes yeah. was Vinicius's first touch in the box. Um, he said that, you know, what... I, because the game changed into something where Real Madrid just had to sit and defend. And by the way, we can criticize Real Madrid, say they're a counterattacking team and everything, but they don't normally go through super long stretches where they're Definitely sitting and defending. Not. All big teams, this is kind of against their DNA, unless you're Atletico Madrid, right? Yeah. What I love, what I was impressed with, and what I think really, really roused the crowd here, was how they seemed to embrace it. There was... Um, Danny Carvajal recovery on Luis Diaz. What a mm. poor game. You never expect Carvajal no. to catch Luis Diaz. Never, right? It should not. He either. does it, and then you feel this roar yeah. from the Madrid fans, almost as if the, the Madrid fans understood this is what we are, this is what we have to do, right? It's, it's about Carvajal, it's about Eder Militao. Um, I think on the subsequent one, they clear the ball away from the corner, and Alaba goes to, 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 to sort of chest thump yeah, um, yeah. Eder Militao, right? We, we're used to seeing this from Chiellini. We're not used to seeing this from Real Madrid defenders. That was a big part of the ethos which saw them through. Yeah, completely. And, and maybe they thought, you know, this is a final where you win it by being solid, really solid. This Liverpool, if, I don't know, they, they played another team, they would have maybe been a bit different. But it was very much like, let's, let's make sure that we fight on every ball, that we tackle, there's always a leg. And there was, for most of the game, always a leg or a thigh or a block or they read the game well and, and protect, protect the ball and the ball went out for a goal kick. I thought Mendy also had a really good game against Salah to a certain extent because still yeah. when your keeper has to make nine saves like he did, it's because defensively at times you've been struggling. Otherwise, well, you know, if you protect your goal so well, then you don't concede so many chances. Ancelotti said this after the game about how, you know, their priority was we wanted to take away what in Italy we call the, the, the vertical play, right? Yeah. The ball to, not so much the ball over the top and then they run onto it, no, but more yeah. like Thiago Alcantara gets the ball and he hits like the blind, does that blind pass, like the one he hit on the last day of the season. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the striker is behind your defenders. And he said that, you know, throughout the game, Militao, Alaba, and um, Amandi were, were phenomenal at that. In fact, I think the Salah chance was the only time that they were able to do that. Yeah, exactly. The club said he wished that the team had played more through them instead of around them like Liverpool did or tried, well, yeah, did for 90 minutes apart from... One yeah, he said he wished that. So why did that not happen? Because sometimes... Thiago Alcantara wasn't fit. I think it's as simple as that. And we go back again on what happened before the game in warm-up. We were not, you and I were not sad to each other, but I saw it pretty quickly. He was not, he was struggling yeah. in the warm-up. He ended up stopping the warm-up with the other nine yeah. outfits. For those who don't know, and you want to explain this, for, for those who don't, even if you go to Anfield regularly, you might not see this because you might not be in your seat that early. What happens is the players come out for a longish you know, 10, 15-minute warm-up before. Mm-hmm. And they do, well, the goalkeepers first, usually, than the players, and they do different drills. And different teams do it different way. The way Liverpool does is the first 11 kind of warm up together, and then you have the reserves warming up together. Yeah. And what we saw, what, what you were describing there is Thiago leaves the 11 starters. Exactly. Goes to warm up with the reserves, and Keita joins the 11 exactly. starters. And you also have Klopp talking to, 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 Three to, times to, to Keita. Thiago. To Thiago first, in the tunnel, I think Thiago even looked like he was going back to the dressing room. I think Klopp said to him, try, try again, try a bit more. So then Thiago is on his own with an assistant coach, just hitting the ball, running a bit. You see him doing stretches. Then Klopp comes back out. They have another shot. And this is all, this is all when we thought the game was kicking off at 9, o- 9 right. p.m., French time. And you can see Thiago, like, like clearly, the body language was like, okay, I'm not starting now. And then Klopp goes and see Keita to tell him, you're starting, 
Thiago goes to see Keita and saying like, you can see him putting his, his arm, arm around, around him. him yeah. yeah, and then off they go, right? Then the game is delayed, and then when they come back for a second little warm up, Thiago is back with the starters. So that delay clearly enabled him to play to start. But still, it was pretty obvious from quite early on that he was not himself, and there was, you know, there was there was a problem. He might have been eighty percent fit. I don't know. He didn't want to risk it, or maybe he could not do more. But I think what you what you lose by him not being fit is that verticality that you mentioned, and is the fact that then you had to you could not play or try to play through Real Madrid. You had to play around, which is what they wanted, what right. they were waiting you- for, and what they were ready for. I think I know the answer to this, but I'd like you to explain it since you played football at a higher level than I did, and most listeners probably did. If he's not fit with a muscular problem, why does that take away? I can understand how it would take away his his acceleration, his movement. Why does it take away his ability to be creative, receive the ball, and hit those through balls that, that he does? I think he has to play deeper. So instead of playing higher up the pitch between the lines and trying to find those little pocket of spaces like English people love to say, because then when you lose the ball, he would have had to to make up the extra 15 yards to try to go and back or do the counter press wherever it was. Whereas if you stay a bit deeper, then he obviously doesn't have to make that extra effort, which physically can cost him with the with the, the calf injury. So I, I, I so think... So again, this, hindsight being twenty twenty. Was this a game where maybe you could have made an adjustment and maybe maybe sacrificed the high press a little bit the way they did so that he can sit a little bit deeper? Because yeah. you're still going to win the ball back. You're still going to press effectively. Might that have been something? Try to uh, suck maybe. Real Madrid forward a little bit. I and, mean, again, yeah, hindsight the, 2020, right? Give them, let them have a bit more of the ball. Make your block a bit more median than so high. Maybe that would have helped. I, d- I don't even think he could counter-press like he usually does, which I think then you lose, you lose a lot of Thiago's ability to help your team. And, and I don't know how the extra 30... Well, it was more than 36 minutes because they went back into the dressing room at 22.9 and then obviously kickoff was 9.36. So let's say 45 minutes for the sake of it in that dressing room where they would have done more treatment on him, they would have maybe. And I don't know what they did. They came out to warm up again as but, well for a second yeah, warm up. But how? I, I don't understand how they went from you can't start, it's too risky, or you know, right. you, it's not helping. To okay, you can go. We give you the green light. You go and and again for your narrative earlier. What happens if Keita starts? If the midfield is Fabinho, Keita, fully fit Keita and Henderson, and Thiago comes on for the last half hour or something like that, is the game different? Yeah. All right. We just go through all this, not just a second guess. And no, 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 I don't. This, but because people have to make real decisions in real time. It's tricky. Um, it's so good. It's so important for them. It's tricky. Ancelotti, four Champions League titles. Nobody's yeah. one more. No. And two as a player. So that's and, six. And a couple as a player. Yeah, one he's more a as a passenger than a player. Yeah, but but still, still, like, yeah you know, he's got I, a medal. He's got a medal. Um, that's pretty amazing. Although I look back and I say, obviously, the, the people who are on three are... Um, or Paisley, yeah. uh, the late uh, Bob Paisley, and Zidane was on three. Now, I've developed a little Zidane theory, which is I don't think he's ever, we're ever going to see him again because I think he's like the doctor from that, that, that cheapo uh, Star Trek one that was Discovery. One, Captain, yeah, yeah. Captain Jimmy, you know, where like, he can only exist on the hologram. I think unless he comes back to Real Madrid, I don't think Zidane's winning anymore. Do you? Ever? I, well, it was, why? We don't know. I don't know. know. But I, you think that anyone would have I think Zidane can only role. exist at the Bernabeu. I think when he goes away, he's, he's a hologram, right? He's not real. So. Well, he was, he was there with us on Saturday. Um, but yeah, it is, it is tremendous. I think it shows that there are different ways to win. Um, mm-hmm. And that people, the man management side is obviously enormous. I think Klopp is a tremendous man manager too. I think Pep yeah. is a tremendous man manager too. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that these guys have other tools that they use and it's part of the narrative... You know, doesn't mean that they're bad man managers, but in this situation, the empathy he has with his players and remember he was there before, yeah, and he still had that empathy. Remember how Cristiano Ronaldo got was furious when uh, um, when Angelotti was sacked. He's going to be back next year, isn't he? Yeah, like, we're not going to do one eighty and everything. No, I don't think so. Is he the greatest? In terms of success and trophies, for sure. I mean, the f- the five big leagues is the only one. The four Champions League is the only one with two different clubs. 
yeah, is he a revolutionary like a Rinus Mikels or Johan Cruyff or Arrigo Saki? I don't think so. But you don't, you don't need to have revolutionized the game no. to be one of the greatest. But I do think what, what makes him different is that he was somebody who was trying to be revolutionary early in his career. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. Arrigo Saki's assistant. Yeah. So he understands all of that in a way that the people who are more conservative, more defend and counter don't necessarily have that because he was that guy. Mm. You know, he was the guy who was going to think outside the box. He was the guy who was going to overthink things. He was that guy who was yeah. going to say, the system comes first, the, the, players, the, the players adapt. And, and he's been on this journey. And I think that's part of the secret of his success. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Jules, there was an ugly... Coda, there was an ugly scenes mm-hmm. um, before and after the game um, that, that, that kind of brought back memories of what used to happen before. Yeah. Uh, and there's serious questions asked about the organization and the policing. You've probably seen the videos and the reports if you don't know the details of it. Um, the reason the match was delayed 35 minutes is that very clearly, especially on the Liverpool end, there was a whole bunch of empty seats yeah. when the match was supposed to kick off. I put it maybe maybe even 20-25% um, of the stadium was full. Mm. And the reason, before, the reason for this was when you arrive at these big events, generally uh, different areas of the stadium are assigned to you and you follow instructions. And generally what happens is all the Real Madrid fans are herded around one way yeah. and the Liverpool fans are herded um, the other way. And this is even if you've got the fancy seats, by the way. Yeah. Um, and normally what they do is they create what they call pre-filtering zones. So in other words, they don't want a whole bunch of people arriving at the main gate at once. So even a couple blocks away or a couple hundred meters, depending on how you're set up, there are going to be ticket checks. And only people who have tickets can advance past right. that zone. And this, this is designed so you don't have the crush at the gates or people trying to trying to get in, right? Um, before this game, what happened? And I don't even want to say reports because we all know people who were caught into it. Yeah. We know colleagues who were there who, who recorded all this. There was an issue with Liverpool supporters who they, they struggled to get past the first pre-filtering zone in part because there were people without tickets in part because there were people who according to UEFA had bought uh, fake Fake tickets tickets, in part because I think as we now know a lot of the stewards were maybe somewhat inexperienced but it created the situation where the police said right no you guys wait you guys wait and it created this massive delay and Mm. it created to a buildup of, of supporters in dangerous areas. Now, for those who don't know, there's a whole history here with Liverpool fans. We saw what happened, the, the tragedy at Hillsborough in 1989, mm-hmm. where, you know, that's that they ended up being victims of, of a crush and, and, and bad, really bad policing. Yeah. Um, so it's a sensitive issue to begin with. Tempers were, tempers were inflamed. Um, I, I'm sorry if I'm going on about this. I just want to give like yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the no. picture of it. Uh, the police at one point decided, right, well, let's get rid of the pre-filtering area because it's delaying everything. And then that led to a whole bunch of people coming up sort of near the stadium gates or, or just outside, yeah. which then created more of a crush, which then really led to more intervention by the police, um, which just created an unsafe atmosphere. And eventually, 
it led to people being pepper sprayed, um, which For is no not. Reasons. Yeah, I mean, I myself yeah. spoke to somebody who had ooh, probably the most expensive ticket you can buy legally in the stadium, and he's there with his kid, and he got pepper sprayed. He's not even a Liverpool fan. He was there as a neutral, right? Um, there's obviously lessons to learn here. Massively, uh, we 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 don't usually see this at Champions League final. I mean, we rarely see this full stop. Uh, the the thing that I know for sure is French police. Even if I've been living in London for a long time now, because this is not the first time that they create chaos in the sense that they very often use unnecessary violence, including the pepper spray and the tear gas when it's really not needed. Peaceful protests in Paris, for example very often end up being chaotic because of the way the police are reacting and the way the police are treating people, which for me was exactly the same case. It's very authoritarian. Very, very, far too much. Clearly, clearly the, the feeling that I had and the people I spoke to who were involved in this felt like the Liverpool fans were targeted in the sense that, oh, it's those English fans, they must be hooligans, let's make sure that nothing wrong happens and if we have to be tough on them, we would be tough on them to teach them a lesson so there's no problems where Liverpool, the, the fans who were there outside the stadium were calm, were patient. Were, imagine what would have happened had they started kicking off. And, and they could have easily kicked off because they were there with, that, with their tickets outside and no one was letting them in because all the gates were closed for a very long time. Yeah, we had reports, obviously, Andy Robertson coming out and saying that he gave yes, a ticket example, to his yeah. mate, which he got from the club, and the guy was told, your ticket is, your, 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 your ticket is fake. There was a massive breakdown there. Our own Mark Ogden uh, actually filmed what looks like a police officer on the other side of a fence, just walking by randomly and calmly, just pepper spraying a whole bunch of people on the other side of a fence. But this is what they do. This is not something that, that you want to see. I think the situation also reportedly exacerbated by the fact that there is... Obviously, Stade de France is in a somewhat deprived area. Yeah, there tough were, area. Yeah. There were also... Some people there who there were reports of, of muggings of people trying to, mm. to, to break through, not necessarily Liverpool fans, no, but just no, random no. people yeah, to yeah. be a part of it. You know, I was I was so happy that we were all in in Paris. You and I got there on the on the Wednesday. Uh, I was so happy, especially in my city, to welcome everyone, all the media, all the fans from all around the world. I did a lot of interviews for British TV or radio, for example, where I said. You know, we were coming in here, the weather was nice, it was perfect. I even made a kind of a joke saying, like, oh, from now on, every Champions League final should be here in Paris. And then, come 7 o'clock on Saturday, when we started hearing about the troubles and all of that, I felt really embarrassed and really ashamed. And this is the image that Paris and France in general are sending to the whole world. You know, this, this is the Champions League final that got the kickoff delayed, which, apart from... Heisel, which is very, very different um, context in a way, never happened before. The best players in the world that we make wait for the, the biggest game for some of them in, in their career. And I just, I just I felt so ashamed and I would like to apologise to Liverpool fans, not that I would change anything for the people who had tickets didn't make it into the ground or the ones that were pepper-sprayed or tear-gassed or that had a horrible experience or were mugged off, whatever. My apologies are not going to change anything, but... I think it's, it's outrageous and really, really shameful to not just showcase that from France and Paris, but then to even hear the, the French Home Secretary saying, well, the problem was because thousands of Liverpool fans had no tickets and they were trying to force their way in. We're like, so then you lie? So that's how you organise the Champions League final. And then you lie to people who were clearly shocked by everything they saw. I just thought the whole thing yeah. was absolutely I, shambolic. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think, look... Were there a lot of Liverpool fans who were in Paris without tickets? I think very obviously, yes. Mm -hmm. The report said between 60 and 70,000 supporters were there. We know how many tickets Liverpool fans got officially and so on. So there were obviously people there. There's people, but we also know there are people who bought tickets uh, on the secondary market yeah. in good faith, and those tickets turned out to be fake. Or Whereas, some of them, yeah. Uh, there might have been, uh, undoubtedly, there might have been uh, ticket, you know, Liverpool fans who showed up at the stadium hoping to get in yeah. without a ticket that's that, that, that's inevitable but you have to draw a line somewhere you still as a as the authorities you still have a duty of care to these people you have to have a proportionate response first and foremost you have to keep people safe yeah that is your first Good. duty um from a from a policing and organizational perspective uh and the other thing too which needs to be touched upon and we just saw a video a few minutes ago is all the 
number of the, 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 the enormous number of local random people who mm. thought it would be funny to sneak into the ground. Yeah. Now, I was inside the stadium until like an hour and a half after the final whistle because I was writing, and so basically everybody's left. In that kind of 45 minutes after the Real Madrid celebrations happened and they all go in and there's just randoms on the pitch, the number of people who made it a point to run onto the pitch with their cell phone um, and film themselves on the pitch of the South of France was enormous. Yeah. You just now showed me a video about this guy who's filming himself going under a turnstile, and it looks like... It looks like the steward there who's there is like his mate because he hugs him and lets him in. I mean, this stuff, this stuff can't happen. This is a basic policing thing. It happened there. It could have happened at any event. You can't make this just about the Liverpool fans. No, that's true. I I have something else to say, too, to all these people. And this is normally in third countries, right? Not in England. It's some people, some stupid people who really, I think, the ones who never go to football matches. They don't realize it could have been then. It could have been your club who tried out the same the usual same stereotypes about Liverpool fans, um, you need to stop. The people who come out and say, oh, but isn't it funny that it was only the Liverpool fans who had this problem and not the Real Madrid fans? You need to stop. Mm. Jules, you want to know why it was the Liverpool fans and not the Real Madrid fans? Okay, I'll tell you why, because there's reasons for it. So the approach to the ground in the final bit was different for Liverpool and Real Madrid. The, 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 the way the fans arrived at the ground. The Liverpool, fan, the Liverpool one was much more likely to create backlogs and difficulties with security. Secondly, and anybody who's been to, this, I don't know, this is like my 23rd Champions League final, there's a, the profile of the traveling Real Madrid fan and the traveling Liverpool fan is different. It's, it, it simply is. Liverpool supporters who travel to Champions League finals tend to be the same Liverpool supporters who go to Anfield. Not everybody who was a season ticket holder got a ticket, but obviously a lot of the other ones, some of them got them on second night. They they scrimped and saved to be there. With Real Madrid fans, I'm talking about the season ticket holders at the Bernabeu, obviously the ones who could go did go, but it is a different profile of supporter. I think, I mean, my information that was given to me was that among the Real Madrid fans who were present, there were many more who came from different parts of the world. There were many more, frankly, who had more money and were better dressed and maybe were more low-key. And maybe that played a part in the way the police reacted to them. Maybe they looked different as well. I think all these things impact it. And finally, the fact that there were 70,000 Liverpool fans in Paris. They were very visible in the streets of Paris the night before. You have an ugly legacy and stereotyping of hooliganism and whatnot. Um, that comes into it, too, which doesn't apply to Real Madrid fans. Hmm. Um, and this is why, I think, these are the basic reasons why it happened. Uh, I also think that some of those people who who were locals had nothing to do with the game that decided to, to sneak in and, and cause havoc and whatever, those guys tried to go in with the Liverpool fans because it was much easier to go in with the Liverpool fans yeah. because they were noisier. Um, there's also a cultural thing with Ramadan fans simply tend to get to the ground much earlier. I'm not saying it's the Liverpool fans' fault for being late because we know many of them were there two and a half, two to three hours yeah, before kickoff, yeah. but others were there. You know, Real Madrid fans were walking in at four o'clock. You know, five hours before kickoff, right? So all these things come together. So don't use this as you know some kind of dog whistle um, slight on Liverpool fans because it's just not fair. Hopefully, there'll be a full investigation. Hopefully, we'll, we'll we'll find out where it is. To me, it seems if you want to blame UEFA, are ultimately responsible. However. Well, the French Federation as well. They were in charge of security. What UEFA do is they, they put up a plan with the French FA, with the local yeah. police, um, and they hand it over. It's a little bit like, and this is before also people get too smug about French policing. I refer you back to the uh, Euro 2020 final at Wembley, where which we were both there, and the scenes that happened there, and people breaking with tickets, and the unruliness, and so on. This is a more general problem. It requires good policing. It requires smart policing. It requires resources. But your number one priority has to keep everybody safe. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. All right, enough Champions League talk. How about some quick hits instead. Let's go, Gav. According to multiple reports, Sadio Mane will tell Liverpool he's leaving. I know I said no more champions. Like, this is a transfer story. Yeah, it's different. Jules, we've talked about this before. Let's crunch numbers. If he moves between what Liverpool saves on his salary and free agent Ivo Origi's salary, that's around £13 million a season, which is more than enough to extend Salah. That's right. And it gets you some more money in wages for a new guy. And if you get a transfer fee on top of that, there's talk 25, 30 million. Yeah. It just makes sense, right? It does, especially if he doesn't want to stay, if he wants to, to move, if he wants to, to start something else, somewhere else. So it would make sense. There's no point for Liverpool to force him to stay for another season when you know he's not going to sign a new deal that you, do, you haven't even afforded him anyway. So it makes sense. You're going to get money for him. You could think that maybe... It's the right time to sell as well because he turned 30. He's 30 already and you can reinvest that money in a younger player to go with Luis Diaz and Jota who are 25 years old and then focus on Salah and extending Salah. We knew from a long time, didn't we? We said many times that it was really one of the two, Salah or Mane. They were never going to extend both of them. There's Firmino as well to think about who also has one year left on his contract. So for that, it makes a lot of sense, Gab. Firmino, the forgotten man, I mm. think, in some ways. And Gab, Mane keeps getting linked to Bayern Munich, where Robert Lewandowski continues to insist that he may not be around next year. He told 11 Sports Poland, it's hard to say I will play for Bayern Munich next season. Why is it so hard if he's got another year left on his contract? Because he's trying to engineer a move to make more money. And but look, he I, does it so politely. Politely, you know. but in an annoying way. Like mm-hmm. I, It's not hard to say. All you got to do, let your agent do the work. Just say, hey, I have a contract. But who knows? Players get sold all the time, right? Or, or say something like Pini has spoken already. Now it's his turn to put it's pressure. It's fine, but like, why do you... You don't know that you can move. It's hard to say you'll get a move either because, you know, Bayern, let's face it, they're pretty hard-headed, right? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know who handles his PR and so on. Do you want... I, I mean, part of me says if you're going to leave on a free in a year's time, you go back in, you score goals, everything's going to be fine, the fans will love you. But, then but it might not go that way, right? It, I don't think he, uh, he will try to force a move. Yeah, well, good luck with that because it would have to be a good new, a good move. Bayern can be incredibly stubborn. Yeah, when that's true. To, just ask Mr. Alaba. And uh, other than Barcelona, I don't think there's any other suitors that have come out in the open right now. And I guess you got to trust in Pini. Yeah. Ralf, uh, Ralf Rangnick has taken over the Austria gig, which yeah. means his consultancy with Manchester United is terminated. Gee, who would have thought that? Kind of suspect this was just a way to give him more money all along when he signed his six-month contract. Maybe, maybe it was. Uh, maybe, maybe they valued his opinion as well. You know, even even post the the six months as a manager in terms. But well, they of, don't value it now. Well, no, you can't do everything either. Do you know what I mean? So, like, he's a consultant. He's know, a coaching Austria is a part-time job. No, I know, but still, if he's focused on the Austria Austria job, maybe he can't do the the two jobs. Maybe he doesn't want to do the second job anymore. I don't know. Maybe that's changed too. Oh, maybe you're right. It was just uh, it was just like window dressing all along, yeah. and I think having him linked to the club, it's like more confusion, and we're going to do our maybe. own thing. It's even more chaos then. Jerry Cardinale of Red Bull Capital is reportedly in Milan today, Gab, ahead of a possible $1.3 billion takeover of Milan. But Gab, should the new Serie A champions be concerned, more be concerned, sorry, by the contract of Paolo Maldini and sporting director Ricky Massara, which expire in the summer? Yeah, so it's actually 1.3 billion euros. I apologize, I wrote oh, dollars sorry. on yeah, the yeah. script. So it's, it's a little bit more than that even. Um, 
I think it is a concern. I think Maldini came out and he said he thought it was a few days ago and he said it was a bit disrespectful that nobody talked to him Scott about his points. new contract or Masada right, about, about his new contract. I also get the point that, you know, if you're the owners, if you're alien management, it's like, well, we're selling, so we don't want to sell a contract with you attached to it. If the new guys want to keep you, that's fine. Yeah, that's that's fine. up to that's them. And so I think that part is, is pretty normal. Um, There's no reason for the new owner not to keep them, right? They're doing a fantastic job. Yeah, unless maybe he has other plans for the club. Maybe. And uh, incidentally, the takeover is going to take time. And I think there could be a few twists and turns. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe if, if Elliot stay around with a minority stake or something like that. Okay. Um, and there could be other people in the mix too. So oh. remember, they looked like it was all done with Bahrain yeah. and it wasn't. Um, they want, obviously, understandably, they want the, the, best, the best possible team. owner, but also the highest possible price. Mm. Nottingham Forest win the championship playoffs well and are back in the Premier League. Jules, I don't follow the championship at all, but I do know that Nottingham Forest won two <laughs> European Cups years ago. Yeah. Um, this is pretty big, having him back. It's big because they had to wait 23 years for it. 23 years uh, in the lower leagues, and then finally they're back where they were bottom of the table in September when Steve Cooper took over the job uh, and has done miracles really not that it's not a good squad it is a good squad but when you bottom of the table and then you still end up in the Premier League in the space of seven months it's pretty impressive he's done an amazing job and and let's see how they do the the, the owner who also owns Olympiacos of course Evangelos Marinakis Marinakis has promised investment to strengthen the squad to invest all of that, which is which is what we want to hear. So let's see, let's see what they can build there. But very happy for Steve Cooper, who's obviously Welsh like Mrs. L, so he can only be a good guy. <laughs> and Gab, that playoff final finished one 0 but referee John Moss, in his final game as a referee ever, thank God, didn't grant two penalties to Huddersfield, which might have reversed the result. Or one especially looked. Yeah. So the two, the, the two penalties were Jack Kobach uh, in the box hooking. Harry Toffolup, to me, that is 100% Blatant. a penalty. And Obvious. 100% you go watch it at VAR. Because yeah, there is VAR. Riding on yeah, the skin. There is VAR on the skin. The other one, Max Lowe, he comes in from behind and Lewis O'Brien. Again, I thought that was a legitimate penalty. But again, I go back to this. Dude, Paul Tierney, who I really, I don't think he's a great referee. No. I know he's part of the next generation. I don't think of VAR. It's not going to no. hurt Jack, uh, John, Jonathan Moss if you make him go look at it again, especially the second one, because the first one, he had a clear view. The second one, there's other people around and yeah. stuff. He could have seen it clearly. I don't understand this idea. It's not a punishment to the referee. You're not disrespecting the referee. If you ask him to take, take a look, you're helping him make a better decision. This mentality has got to uh, go. Strange. Very strange. Very strange. Aurélien Chouamini remains a name on everyone's lips, Jules. What's the latest? I really believe this week that the uh, the move to to Real Madrid will be will be done. Uh, we knew there was a few little details that Real Madrid were also rightly so focused on the Champions League final, which they won now, and then Florentino Perez will take over. The, the the well, you know, the club will finish off. I think the what they started. He wants to play. For Madrid, that's, there's no other option for him. So I it's believe a pretty crowded midfield there that he's walking into there. I mean, Cruz is 32 years old. Modric is 36 years old. Even if Modric gets another year, which he will. Yeah, but you got Camavinga, you've got Valverde. Exactly, you've got. Then say the same about Luis Diaz or you know, Jota. Then then there's never a new cycle coming in until everybody leaves. I think. I think it's perfect. I think it's good timing. Even with the World Cup, he's going to play maybe not every single minute of every single game, but and it's great for the future of Real Madrid. Even Perisic is in London today, Gab, and he's expected to sign a two-year deal with Tottenham Hotspurs as a free agent. And he's 33 years old. He's 33 um, years old. I think given that it's free agency and given that it's a two-year deal, given this is what Conte wants, obviously Conte worked with him at Inter when they yeah. won the title. Like he had a tremendous second half of the season, especially. He's fit, he's, he's hungry, he's angry. I can deal with a short-term free agent signing. It you know, goes generally against my policy if this is what Conte wants. Policy, yeah. Interesting, I think, is going to be to see, does he play him as a wing-back, or do we see him occasionally in part of that, uh, part of that front three? Also interesting, yeah. uh, there was reports in Italy that, he, uh, that Spurs actually offered less money than what Juventus offered him. Uh, not by a lot. But this, I think, shows that, that he really, really wants to go um, and, and, and play for Antonio Conte. So, 
you know, he had, Conte, I think, asking for what, six signings was the story that yeah, was out yeah, there. So he ain't going to get six, but, you know, I'm talking. One is, is me. One down, five yeah. to go. Maybe not such good news if you're Sergio Regulon. Chago Mota did a great job keeping Spezia up after a rather inauspicious start to the season. Yeah. Um, but he's not sticking around. In fact, there are some who link him with Paris Saint-Germain. Obviously, he was there before. I think he yeah. was the under-19s coach. Jules, this is way, way, way too far outside the box. This is the kind of thing German clubs do. Yeah, look at us. We're so progressive. We yeah, found this homeless yeah. man by the train station. Now he's our coach and we gig him. It ain't going to happen, right? Well, let's see. Because he's certainly part of the shortlist with Christophe Galtier. With, uh, he's on the shortlist. Yeah, Ruben Amorim, Luis Campos, who again is expected to be officially announced this week as the new sporting director. Really like the idea of Thiago Mota. They want someone young. They want someone who doesn't ma- matter so much about the experience, but can bring something a bit different than the school of the more uh, traditional manager, let, let's put it that way. For example, so they see he's obviously a cult figure within the club because he was such an important player, arrived as soon as pretty much the Qatari took over. So very, was there from the first, the first day, really. Uh, and... And I think only Andrea Pirlo beat him in the, you know, in Coveciano's, um like rankings, rankings yeah, yes. whatever. Pirlo uh, was ranked first in his class. Yes, I think, exactly. And Thiago second. second. But yeah, I think he's got great ideas. Is he ready? Probably not. Is it a good time? Maybe not. But I, there's something that I like about it. Yeah, I don't know something on my head, but I'm assuming he played with uh, with, um, with with Lionel Messi. And he would have played yeah. with Neymar as well, exactly. right? So maybe that gives you a bit of an edge, or maybe not. Who knows? No, maybe not. Maybe not. Monza win their return leg in extra time against Pisa in the Serie B playoffs, which means that they are in Serie A for the first time, Gab, in 110-year history. This is also relevant, Gab, because of who their owners are. Yes, of course, their owners are Silvio Berlusconi. Oh, my God, he's back. Uh, minority stake, uh, Adriano Galliani, of oh, course, who ran Milan well. for so many years. Uh, Berlusconi, of course, saying like, oh, yeah, this is the first step. And then, you know, I want to win Serie A. I want to win the Champions League, blah, blah, Amazing. blah. Um, look, Monza have a special place in my heart because it is the local team to where my mom's side of the family uh, is from. It's, I mean, I think San Siro might actually be technically closer but going towards the Brianza region to the north of Milan Monza's right there I was I start I was started following Monza very very avidly uh once, especially once I became a little bit older and I became a little bit more cynical about mm-hmm. the Serie A team that I supported when I was very young um it's it's amazing tiny stadium tiny club but obviously Monza famous for so many things including yes. Grand Prix of course uh, past and present that's it's pretty neat. Effectively, it's Milan having three clubs. I mean, Monza obviously is a separate city. It's his own thing, but it is an extension, essentially, of, mm. of Milan, which I think is also pretty cool. Uh, it's a great story with Giovanni Stroppa leading them back up. But, and it was a great comeback. In, yeah, uh, it was. You know, they, 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 they won the first leg 2-1. They lose the second leg uh, in Pisa, 3-2. Uh, so the game goes to extra time. And, you know, they turn around extra time, win 4-3 with this. Danish guy um, scoring the goals, but pump the brakes there. I'll be curious to see how Berlusconi, because Berlusconi's for Galliani, their formula for football kind of hit, it expi- hit its expiry date more than 10 yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be a fun Let's ride. See. What it's can I say? Be fun. It's going to be fun. Meanwhile, a historic French club are down. Uh, Saint-Étienne are beaten by Auxerre on penalties in the Ligue 1 relegation playoff. Yeah. Jules, there were also some very ugly scenes after the final whistle. It was terrible. I mean, we knew it would happen if they were to lose. Uh, and as soon as that winning penalty from the Auxerre captain Touré went in, the ultras run onto the pitch. They're starting throwing flares at their own players into the. the you sure it was the ultra? Sure it wasn't liver on rowdy Liverpool fans? Yeah, well, because yeah. I thought Liverpool fans Good are point. responsible for every problem. Good point. In no, this time it was the Saint-Étienne ultras who threw fireworks and flares at their own players in the tunnel of their own stadium uh, before damaging the players' cars, the shop, the club shop. Things like that. They even got into the stadium, in the in the press lounge, in the uh, the press conference room, which was crazy. Really scary, scary scenes uh, that we saw. They had a terrible season. They deserve to go down. They really deserve to go down. This is a club that 
is on the way down. David Bledsoe might be the new owner very time soon. I don't know. He still wants to buy it even now that they're in second division, but Cheaper it's really now. worrying time. Uh, Jules, in terms of Auxerre, yeah. I'm happy to report those of us. I, it's good to see them back. Of course, they, they shocked years. the French League. Well, they won, They actually won. They were French champions in, in the mid-90s, yeah, which shocked the French League. But i got to ask you about Giroud because I discovered that <laughs> He's still with us. Yeah, very, uh, much, very much alive. He does 80, TV shows, radio shows. 84 years young. Now, this guy was Auxerre manager for, what, 42 yeah. years? Like 36 consecutive years, and then he came back like... Crazy. You took them from nah, took them from the 8th division all the way to, like you said, winning the league, Champions League semi-final, F French Cup winners, everything. <laughs> incredible guy, really incredible guy. So well done. Ten years after being relegated, Auxerre back to the top flight. But he's not coming back. No, he's not. As far back. as we know. No. Romelu Lukaku's people say that he's open to a loan move from Chelsea. Gab, is this really realistic? I think it's it's realistic in the sense that if he and Tuchel have a talk over the summer and Tuchel says, you're not in my plans, yeah. uh, then... I think alone, already the fact that they're talking loan move suggests that Chelsea know they can't sell him without taking a massive loss. So loan move, shop window, work something out. He'll become like a, it'll become like a Morata situation yeah. already linking to Inter. Obviously, big wages. You'd have to work it out. I think it probably is doable. Inter will have a, a salary slot available, obviously, with, oh, yeah, of course, yeah. uh, with Sanchez and Vidal moving on. And you know, if they can kind of usher Jekko out. He's got a year left, but if they can kind of usher him out, stays left. I don't think that would be a bad thing. No, um, why, not? why not? The one thing I wonder about from Chelsea's perspective, and I know I banged on about Lukaku all along, Tuchel signed off on Lukaku. Chelsea don't have any other... If you talk about center forwards, like actual yeah. real center forwards, unless you want to go down the Armando Brogia route, right, maybe one day they will. They don't have a guy That's like true. that. That's and then true. we can put Havertz in there and have this endless debate about Havertz, but then you still need a backup. Or you want Timo Werner to be like the little type of guy. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't... It's weird. And I think Chelsea need to think long and hard about whether this is really the wise choice. That's true. Lucien Favre could oh, be back at Borussia Mönchengladbach. Jules, makes sense to you? Oh, I would love to see that. I'm not always keen on people returning to their clubs. We mentioned that before. And I think he's, he would be different because... If, I think he fits so well with that club. He obviously had a very good experience there. Uh, then he left. He did some good things, some not so good things. But yeah, they, they need someone to just stabilize everything. And that calm voice sometimes is a bit annoying because you want to shake him and say, come on, be a bit more energetic. But no, yeah, I, I, it would be a big yes for me. Gab, I know Marcelo has a, spe a special place in your heart. He arrived at Real Madrid in January 2007 and announced on Sunday that he's leaving after 15 years and a half season. That's pretty special, right? I just think it's so long ago. Do you know who the Real Madrid manager was then? Uh, John Toshak. No, John Toshak. <laughs> Fabio Capello. Fabio Capello. Uh, and he arrived together with Fernando Gago and yeah. a guy named Gonzalo Higuain. Yes. And... It's pretty remarkable. I mean, I think Gago, Gago's career never reached the heights of the other two. Yeah, he was injuries. a really good player. Yeah. He had a lot of injuries. But, yeah, Franco Baldini brought them in, and it's, it's pretty amazing. And I know, I know you've mocked him. I know you said, oh, look. When he plays, he never wins. Lose. It's not my fault. But he, re you know, he, there's parallels with Dani Alves. Of course. But he was such an incredible attacking force in yeah. his prime. And, and plus, he's so cool, especially when I'm with the big hair. And like, yeah, oh, yeah, man. no, I love him. You, 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 you got to love that. figure again, yeah. Now, uh, Liverpool had decided that they were going to have a parade regardless to celebrate their two cup finals, even if they didn't win the Champions League. Mm. They had their parade. If you're into parades and stuff, they loved it. By all accounts, the players loved it. Some people sneer at this do you are you one of those who say like oh definitely no you shouldn't have a parade no definitely not I mean you had to plan it in case you won the Champions League but there's not there's nothing wrong in celebrating trophies whether it's the League Cup and the FA Cup which is a double that I think Arsenal did in the 90s but it's, it's rarely, rarely done not many, not many clubs win both 
where you were so close to winning the Premier League and the Champions League as well, celebrate the whole season. Yeah. You don't just celebrate the League Cup final, uh, you celebrate the whole season. Yeah. And it was a great season that could have been an incredible season with a quadruple. And see how many fans turned up. If, you know, if the fans didn't want that, were not happy with the season, they wouldn't have turned up in, in numbers. I think the players were really taken aback by how many and the, the, the passion that those fans showed. And again, showing how great fans they are. And I've got nothing against parading for, for what was a, a really fantastic season. 100% with you. You're not celebrating the trophy. I don't, I don't, you celebrate the performance. Exactly. You celebrate this incredible season that they have. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. And okay. if you shared it, Let's face it, yeah. you're a bit of a melt. Gab, tell us what happened uh, with crazy stuff in Oviedo on the last day of the second division in Spain. This is heartbreaking. And this, by the way, is part of the reason why Sid Lowe wasn't with us on the show today. Of course, Sid is a Oviedo fan. So essentially, Oviedo are in the second division. They, they, they needed a whole bunch of results to go their way. And they needed a victory to get into the playoff spots for promotion to, to the top flight. And so they were playing Ibiza. Um, post clubbing, uh, they uh, yeah. they scored the winner, a Borja Baston penalty in the 95th minute. And in the meantime, news filtered through from the fans that one of the results that needed to go their way, Burgos against Hirona, that um, that Hirona had scored, um, and so therefore they were up. Right. Problem is, that game finished nil nil. And so what happened? They didn't realize the players are on the pitch. They're celebrating. It's a mass pylon. And then word kind of oh, gets yes, through yeah. to them and they get up and they look around and said, what? What? It's not true. They didn't win. It was nil-nil. Um, it, was, oh, it was heartbreaking oh, stuff. It, is. it was really, it really cruel. You know that Oviedo's big rivals, uh, Celta Vigo, are going to troll them about this yeah. mercilessly for yeah. a long time. Olympique Lyonnais have won the French League. Uh, this is women's football, of course, competing a Champions League Ligue 1 double. Jules, your reaction? Yeah, well done to them. Sonia Bonpastor for her first season as the manager is doing an amazing job considering how disappointing last season was to bounce back the way they did, beating Barcelona, who we thought was invincible, in the final in the way they did as well with the manner. And then now PSG, they, were, they had a few points... There were a few points clear of PSG before that game in Paris on, on Sunday, uh, but that win made sure that they win the title now, which is a great double. Not their first one, of course, because they've won the league 15 times and a lot of Champions League as well. But, um, but well done to them. And Macario, the US midfielder, who for me is the player of the season in all leagues, has been incredible again in that game, scoring the only goal. So well done to them. Eden Hazard played just 83 minutes, Gab, in Real Madrid's Champions League campaign. But the fact that they won it reportedly means that Chelsea will collect a cool £15 million bonus. So when we add it all up, the transfer fee and etc., selling him to Real Madrid three years ago seems to be the greatest moves in Chelsea history, right? I, I, honestly, when, when this goes Incredible. back, he had one year left on his contract. Now, the... The, the value of the transfer, depending on who you talk to, is anywhere between 80 and 110 million. Yeah. I don't know if some people count in the bonuses or whatever, but this is really the gift that keeps on giving. And it's not a knock on Eden Hazard, who's one of my favorite players. No. He's been really unlucky with injury, could have gone very different in Madrid. But from Chelsea's perspective, and I say this again and again, when a player has a year left on his contract, and so often, it just makes sense to sell because it's going to cost you more to keep him, yeah. especially if he's in his late 20s. And they've done pretty well without him as well. So, you know. Exceptionally well. Yeah. Right, Jules, that brings us to an end. But we've got to come back. We've got to come back on Thursday yes. because we'll be reflecting Wednesday night. It is the real world champions. Oh, the champions of South America, Argentina. Yes, play the champions of Europe, Italy on Wednesday night. You're and loving it. It's my World Cup, You're man. loving We're not going it. to the You're other one in Doha. It. You're loving right. it. Right. Um... So join us then. Until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. 